So what do you think about the housing market right now? What do you think about trying to buy a house in this environment? Oof. Um, I think you better have really good income, really good credit, um, and be willing to to be pay to to pay premium, um, you know, to purchase a house. Um, I think things are pretty expensive, but you know, at the same time, interest rates are lower than they've ever been before. So mortgages are pretty attractive um, right now. What about you? Yeah, it's 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 an incredibly difficult time to be a first time home buyer right now. Um, you know, for most people that are just moving from one house to another, it's a little easier, uh, especially for people that are trying to relocate from a city out to uh, outside a city like a suburban area or a rural area. But if you're a first time home buyer, I mean, you're getting completely screwed right now. Uh, you know, it's just impossible to find a house if you do housing price housing prices are they're they're through the roof houses are selling at 10% over asking price sometimes in a day or two days there's bidding wars going on uh, it's just an incredibly difficult time to try and buy a house but and yeah, uh, I mean I I also think it depends on the market right um, some markets are cooler than others so um, that's also a factor but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, things are pretty expensive. I think, like I said, you know, with the interest rates being so low um, and people being able to borrow more, it kind of gives them that, um, you know, that extra uh, trigger to uh, spend a little bit more. So, you know, who knows how this is going to end up? I don't think we're going to have another 2007, 2008 housing crash, but um, yeah, things are expensive. Yeah, well, things are definitely a lot different now from uh, the, the the housing bubble in the early two thousands. I mean, for one, I, there there's a lot of people that are buying homes just full out in cash. I think I wrote it down. Um, the I think it's uh, yeah. So thirty six percent of all home buyers right now are paying in fully in cash, and uh, obviously most of those are the the people that are just selling their homes and raising the cash that way, and they already had the equity built up but you're not seeing all this leverage going on where people are borrowing tons of money to take on debt to go, you know, mortgage debt to, you know, at 90, 95% to buy houses. So you don't see as much leverage or as much speculation either. Uh, and a lot of people you don't see own four five, six vacation homes and they're a blue collar middle-class American. So, I mean, I, I don't think housing prices are cheap at all. And, I think you can make an argument housing's in somewhat of a bubble, but it's definitely not 2008. There's, there's not right. No I also, I also think you know lending requirements are a lot more strict now. Um, you know, so higher credit scores, higher incomes, maybe down payments, things like that. Um, so I think right now, even though housing is expensive, the people that are getting qualified to buy the houses are qualified buyers, right? So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's kind of a big, big difference that needs to be, uh, you know, clarified. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's expensive, but people that are buying are, are qualified buyers. So I don't really think um, we're going to see a, a drop or anything like that anytime soon. I can see maybe yeah. getting, you know, stabilized and maybe going sideways, uh, but I don't think anything's going to pull back. Yeah, it's tough to th imagine where there's going to be a pullback, especially because, you know, if if we have people that continue to start moving out of cities, uh -huh. and it's already happened, you know, but if, if people continue to start moving out of cities, I think there's a lot of people that 
they were working from home for a year and they weren't quite sure if they were going to be um, required to come back into the office in a, in a typical office setting. And so they were kind of just staying put for a year, trying to figure out if they can actually move halfway across the country, or at least maybe an hour or two hours from where they are now. So I still think a lot of those buyers are still trying to move uh, from city locations, especially like where I am, where, where I'm in New Jersey, and you still have a ton of people that still live in New York, but would prefer to live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. I still think a lot of them still haven't made their way out here yet. And uh, I think the other part of that is a lot of people that are trying to move, they just haven't been able to because they haven't been able to find a home that for a reasonable price. And, you know, you put in a bid for the house and then you're outbid within an hour and you, you can't sell the house. So, and then the last thing, part of that is um, I know someone trying to move from New York to New Jersey. The problem is, is they can't find anyone who's willing to sell their home because no one wants to put their house on the market in a sense because they have nowhere to go if their house sells in a day. And then now, now you have, you know, 30 days to find a new house. And that's, that's, it can be a major uh, stress in your life that people don't want to deal with. Right. Yeah, no, I think the uh, remote, you know, working remotely is a big part of it. Um, I know a lot of people think, um, you know, business as usual might come back. I don't think so. I think it's going to be some form of, of business as usual, but not the same. I do think things are going to change. Um, so I do think working remotely is going to be a bigger part of um, companies <laughs> and especially those employees that, you know, that have leverage um, due to their skills or positions. So, um, yeah, I think with working remotely, that's just that's really made the problem even bigger for, for real estate right now. Yeah. And actually, like what you just said, I think there there are some employers on in the banking industry, like the JP Morgans and the Goldman Sachs that are now starting to pressure their workers. They want them back in the office. But then you have other banks like Citibank that are saying, look, if you want to continue to work from home, we'll hire you. So there is that that pricing power and that, you know, workers can now they have a lot more leverage to be able to negotiate because there are firms that are willing to be flexible to try and attack, uh, attract the best talent. So right. it's not like you, you know, it's not like uh, employers can all of a sudden just demand that workers come back to work. And especially, I mean, I think a lot of people find they're more productive working from home. They're not spending an hour commuting every day. Um, you know, they're, they just sit right down at, at the desk in their office, in their, their house, and it's much more convenient and they're much more happy and much more productive. So I don't see any reason that a lot of firms would want to go back to the office. I know it works for some, but this is definitely going to be a, a change, a permanent change, I think, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw the same article uh, you were talking about, um, Chase. And, um, you know, I think Barclays is also one that's, you know, very lenient towards working from home, uh, UBS. Um, so, um, you know, there's definitely other options for those, um, for those employees that, you know, that want to work from home. And then, um, you know, touching on the, you know, how productive you are working from home. So I will say this. I don't think we've seen the full productivity um, hit yet. And what I mean by that is right now, a lot of people that are working from home have their kids at home, you know, have all these things because of COVID. But here's the thing. Once kids are in school, 
you know, these employees are going to be even more productive now because, A, they're not commuting. A, they don't have their kids at home. And so I think, you know, it's going to be even higher than before. So, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's something that companies should definitely leverage. But we'll see. Yeah. And I think it is. I think it's it's a way to attract better talent, too. But um, and not, not just for big business, but think about like the small businessman who's trying to cut his costs. You know, now he doesn't have to rent an office space out. Um, it saves a ton of time for him. Right. So I think it's just going to make things more efficient in the long run. And, you know, again, I can't see, um, you know, especially where I am in New Jersey. I mean, most people that live where I am in New Jersey, they live here because they don't want to live in New York City, but they still work in New York City and it's close enough to commute. But it's like you have the choice of I can throw on a suit and tie, make an hour to an hour and a half trek into the city, you know, and then you got to tra travel an hour, hour and a half back home. Right. Sometimes it's raining. It's expensive to commute back and forth. Right. So it's like, who wants to deal with all that when I can just work at home? Uh, it, you know, to me, it's it's a no brainer. I don't see why anybody's going to be jumping to go back to the office anytime soon. But yeah, no, that's um, man, that's just a crazy commute to me, you know, because I yeah, it's a normal I commute. Mean, I'm here. in Colorado and like so like my commutes are 30 minutes, you know, yeah, at most. So an hour and a half each way is just brutal. Um, I mean, that's three hours of the day right there. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, why would you want to, I mean, you get three hours back a day. You're not paying, you know, sometimes that's like costs. half your shift. Yeah. And it, and not to mention the, I mean, to get into New York city, it's like 20 to $30 a day to go back and forth between in, in the city. Um, yeah. and that's if, if you're driving or if you're taking public transportation, but, um, yeah, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how anyone's going to get back to work in, in Manhattan. I think Manhattan's permanently changed because there's no reason that anyone wants to. I mean, some people, they enjoy working in the city their first year because it's New York City. And then after that, the, the the whole glamour of it wears off. And it's just like, I don't I don't want to travel here anymore. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I get that. We'll see. Um, yeah. No, I mean, you know, housing here in Colorado is just... Um, I mean, it's expensive right now, you know, just mm -hmm. compared to literally where it was a year, year and a half ago. Um, well, that's one of the hot spots, right? That people are moving to that, you know, they're, that are trying to get out more out in the country. So um, Colorado has been growing, like even before COVID, like Colorado's just been growing in general for years now. Um, so a lot of um, Silicon Valley uh, companies have actually been moving to, uh, to Denver. Um, so, you have companies like Palantir, you know, things like that. They're just massive companies moving out here. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, you know, with those companies come, you know, high paying roles, you know, so bigger salaries so that now they can spend more on houses and so on and so on. So it trickles down. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, Colorado's getting, getting really expensive. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's more evidence that it's not so much a bubble, right? Because, I mean, in certain areas where prices are rising extremely fast, like Colorado, it's because you have a lot of jobs are being created in those areas because companies are moving. Right. Um, same thing with Texas right. or with Florida. So many companies are moving or if they're not even moving in total, they're at least setting up new offices in these places. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's a, a case that we're not in a, a housing bubble. Um, but it is. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked the other day 
um, home prices now are almost double what they were in 2007. And there's been, you know, it's been 14 years um, since the peak of the housing bubble. So there has been some rises in the cost of living, obviously. But um, yeah, I think that that if you look at this chart, I mean, this is the Zillow Home Value Index. You see literally where there's like a small drop off when COVID first took place. And then it's just like a skyrocket up of housing prices. Um, right. And that that's just the... Uh, the average home value. But um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I think it's hard if you're a first time renter for sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of that is just people relocating. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's definitely difficult if you're a first time home buyer, right? I mean, um, a lot of people are getting priced out of the market at the same time. You know, I don't, I personally right now would not be buying a house and not because of the prices. Like, let me make that clear. Cause I don't think anything's going to, you know, I don't think there's going to be a major pullback or anything like that. So if you're going to buy a house, just buy the house, um, at least take advantage of the interest rates. So the reason I wouldn't buy a house right now is because I want to see how the work dynamics change. Right. Um, is everybody going to go back into the office? Is there going to be some sort of work from home? You know, I want to see how that's going to play out for me, right? Mm -hmm. So I think if you're in a similar situation, I wouldn't be buying anything right now. So until I knew what was going to happen, right? Because if I can work from home permanently, then, okay, I can make a plan and I'll decide if I want to, you know, buy somewhere else or whatever it is I want to do. So I think right now I wouldn't be buying anything just because I want to see how the workplace dynamics are going to work out. Um, but even if you do want to buy something, um, you know, you might be getting priced out if it's your first home. Yeah, to me, I'm not opposed to buying a home right now. Um, you know, we've talked before, um, you know, in my view that we're going to have a lot of inflation, you know, clearly real assets like real estate do well in times of inflation. So I'm not necessarily against buying a home, but I do think that uh, housing prices are extremely high relative to what you can collect on rent for a lot of different properties. Maybe we could get into that next. But to me, if you're going to buy a home, uh, you know, first of all, you should have three to six months of savings just for in case any emergency happens. You shouldn't be buying a home if you don't have that because um, a lot of things obviously can go wrong. And owning a house is typically much more expensive than renting when you include all the maintenance and property taxes that you have to pay to maintain the home. But to me, if I was going to buy a home right now, I would want to try and take out as big of a mortgage as possible. Because as you said, rates are extremely low. You basically get to borrow money for om almost for free, right? Because the amount of interest you're getting on your mortgage is less than what the, the rise of inflation is. So you're basically right. getting a loan for free. And, you know, over time, inflation is going to erode away that debt. So I think to the extent if you're going to buy a house right now, I'm not saying get over leveraged and take on much higher of mortgage than you can afford to service. But to me, if you have money saved for a rainy day, why not take out as much debt as possible? What I wouldn't want to do is build a ton of equity in a home right now. That to me makes absolutely no sense. 
Um, right. But, and especially if you take out that higher mortgage, you're not as exposed to a decline in housing prices if we do get a pullback because you don't have as much equity. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, I would just, you know, make it clear that, uh, you know, when we're saying, you know, take out as much, you know, the biggest mortgage you can, that means the biggest mortgage you can that you qualify for, that you can service, that you can maintain, that you can afford, right? Um, that doesn't just mean, you know, go, go get yourself in over your head. Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I I just saw this um, this article. This guy, um, it's basically uh, he actually just bought some stock with um, he refinanced his house, bought some stock that pays you know I think five percent dividend. His interest rate's like three point five, so um, you know the dividend itself pays for the uh, for the interest on the mortgage on uh, on the refinance, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I think right now, if you're going to buy a house, you should probably be buying to live there. And I'm not sure I would be buying, you know, rental properties unless, you know, you've done the math and this thing cash flows. But right now, everything's so expensive that it's it's hard to find, you know, properties that cash flow um, positive, right? And so. Right. Cause you got to take into consideration, you know, all the repairs and then vacancies and things like that. So I think right now, if you want to buy, you know, you can definitely buy, but you know, you should be prepared to be, you know, sticking around for a few years at the very least. Yeah. I, I wonder too, how many people are, maybe they, they are out of work or um, they lost their job in the last year and a half. And maybe they're still employed now, but they don't want to buy a home because they're worried that there's going to be, you know, more layoffs or shutdowns. They're not really sure about the mm -hmm. future and that they're going to have their income there to rely on to service a mortgage. I wonder how many people aren't buying houses for that reason. Um, but then again, I, I think right. like I think you see uh, most of the home buying you know, as we, we said, 36% is all cash. So I guess that's really the people that are already particularly wealthy. Um, right. But yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I'm sure there's some of that going on where people are just hesitant because they're not, they're not sure what the future is going to bring as far as uh, them being able to, to keep their income up. Right. No. And I mean, I think some people too, um, besides, you know, being unsure about the housing market, um, they're just getting priced out, you know, um, you know, as you save for your down payment, right? You're saving, you're saving, but each month it gets a little bit more expensive. So each month you need to save a little bit more and so on and so on. And, and even though you're saving, you keep getting priced out and you're getting farther and farther behind. So I think that's another big factor. It's just a lot of people can't save fast enough to keep up with the increase in prices, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, even like if we look, the average uh, median income in 2007, I looked it up, was 62,000 was uh, the, the median household income. And uh, in 2020, it was 69,000. So it, was, it went up about 11% in the last 14 years, um, which is about probably keeping up with inflation, uh, give or take maybe a little less or a little more. But I mean, housing prices are so much higher 
So it's like, okay, the average person, right? The average blue collar worker is probably having, like you said, a much more difficult time trying to buy a house, especially as you said, I mean, it's a great point. You save money for a down payment over the course of six months. Maybe your goal was to save a down payment of $20,000, but by the time you save the 20,000, now you need a $30,000 down payment for the house, right? So it's very difficult. Um, but yeah, it's a, I mean, we're in an environment, obviously interest rates are low, savers get punished. Um, right. You can't. Uh, you know, okay. I, I would say, you know, it's not even just blue collar workers, you know, I would say a lot of the two is millennials um, that graduated um, just when the financial crisis took place, right? Um, mm -hmm. And not just that, but after that, um, if you look at like the uh, education debt, I mean, millennials have a ton of debt, right? Related to, to education. So um, that obviously doesn't help because right when you're applying for a mortgage, they look at all your, your debt, right? Your income and everything. So, you know, we have a ton of, um, of college debt. And so, you know, that's also a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, right now there's, there's moratoriums on most of the debts, but, um, there, yeah, there's $1.7 trillion of student loan debt. But, uh, you also wonder if that's a factor too, if, um, people are waiting to buy a house because they're not paying their student loans now, but they're not sure if those loan payments are going to resume at any point. I mean, Congress hasn't really been clear on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think we're starting to see the cost of living is rising. I mean, consumers are really starting to stretch to try and make ends meet. Um, I think we hit two weeks ago $950 billion of credit card debt in, uh, in the United States. So um, I think you're starting to see as the stimulus checks are wearing off, it's getting harder for people to actually make ends meet with their wages because their wages aren't rising as much as uh, the cost of living. But, um, yeah, but where's oh. that credit card debt relatively though? Because, and, and don't quote me, I, I haven't looked in a while, but I want to say before the pandemic, it was higher than it is now. Um, I think it, it's significantly higher. I think what I, I'm not sure either where it was pre pandemic, but I <laughs> think it's about similar. It's about where it was prior to the pandemic. So basically when the pandemic hit, you had people start saving money. Uh, right. You know, they, they, if, if you got a stimulus check, the, ex, the extent of most Americans, they save that money for a rainy day. But then since that has worn off in the last several months, um, and now right. that we're starting to reopen things, people are starting to go back to their old ways. So I think we're getting close to the pre-pandemic levels, uh, but I, I don't think there's much of a difference now. I think six months ago, there was a lot less, but I think a lot of people now, they're, um, they're getting more confident with their spending. They think, uh, you know, things are reopening. Um, and I think it's a, a part of it is the wealth effect too, because you know, if you if you own stocks or real estate in the last year, you've probably increased your wealth by 20, 30 or 40 percent. And so that's going to drive that, you know, that's going to drive your confidence to go and spend more money. Um, I think uh, American Express released earnings this week and they're I mean, they're you can't qualify for American Express if you don't have very good credit and you're not very good with your finances. So a lot of it might just be wealthier people that are spending more money on, on debt because of the wealth effect. 
Um, but I'm not I'm not too familiar with where where the debt's adding up. But um, first of all, quick plug, just in case American Express wants to sponsor us, I have their cards. Fantastic service. Just just get one, people. Um, no, seriously, best best service ever. Um, yeah, no, I I agree, um, and and I do think you know that confidence factor plays a role, um, right? So when the pandemic started, um, savings rate literally skyrocketed, right? To um, I want to say it was in the low thirties, low thirty percent, um, and before that, um, saving rates in the U.S. were like seven percent, um, which is not very good, but it it is what it is. So yeah, it went from about 7% to low 30s. Um, that's a huge jump, right? Especially when you consider that's across the US. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, with confidence coming back, people are spending more money. But at the same time, I'm sure there's some people that are spending more to keep up and not because they have the extra disposable income. Um, right. So I think that's definitely something to, uh, to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. Um, I think that's definitely the case, but I think there's probably a little of both. But um, one other point that I just thought of was um, what rent prices are compared to what home prices are. Um, because home uh, because homes have appreciated so much in value, right? People want to buy homes now, but they can't necessarily afford it. But I think one thing that's also driving home sales is the fact that rents are so disproportionate to mortgage payments, right? I mean, in many cases, if you rent a an apartment, you and, and obviously g different geographical locations are going to differ. But in most cases, if you rent an apartment, you're going to be paying a lot more for rent than you are on a more on a mortgage you could get for a similar type of apartment or, uh, or house, right? So a lot of people want to buy a home because they're saying, well, I'm I'm throwing my money away on rent. Why should I do that if I, I can get a mortgage that's a little bit lower, right? And a lot of people, they do that and they, they don't take into account how expensive it is to maintain a home. But I think that a part of that is is creating, you know, FOMO in the marketplace where people want to buy a home because they don't want to pay rent when their friend is paying a mortgage payment for a nicer house, right? You have one person lives in an apartment and maybe they're paying, um, Fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars rent, but they have a friend who lives in a house who has a mortgage payment of twelve or thirteen hundred dollars, and they're like, "Well, why am I living in a, an apartment if I could have a house with a, a mortgage that's lower than my rent payment?" Right. So the thing I would say to that is, there's two sides to the coin, right? So with your apartment, you're paying your rent. Um, a lot of people do think of that as throwing money away. I don't. So here's my thing, right? A, if you're if it's two in the morning and your sink just burst a pipe, all I have to do is call the landlord. It's his problem. He has to pay for it. Okay, yeah. that's it. Not my not my problem. Whatever. So there's that. Also, when you buy a house, um, you are the landlord, right? You can't call him. You better call yourself. You're the one that's paying for it. Um, yeah. So maintenance costs, property taxes. You know, there's a lot of things that go into owning a home. It's not just your, you know, mortgage. A lot of people think that. Um, I would say a lot of first-time, you know, home buyers think it's just the mortgage, but there's a lot of costs that go into it. So, 
Um, you know, obviously I think there's, there's pros and cons to both. I definitely agree though. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking long-term chances are, you know, buying a house is probably going to be your best bet. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree at all. I mean, I actually, I, I, to me, I, I, I always have this argument with people. I'm actually interested to get your opinion on this, but I, I always tell people homes are depreciating assets. Most people think they're appreciating assets because if you look at any time throughout U.S. history, housing prices always go up. Now, most cases, they only go up with the cost of inflation. So they're just keeping up with inflation. The price isn't actually going up. But my point is, is that they depreciate over time because if you, you buy a house, right, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to have to replace the roof. The, the hot water heater might go out. You're going to have to redo the carpeting, repaint the walls, right? You got to keep up with all the, the maintenance, like doing the landscaping. But homes are, are depreciating assets, and but they only appreciate more than inflation in times where the market is distorted for some reason. And in the case we have today, because the world is changing and because of COVID, people want to work at home. And so they're willing to leave the city and, and relocate somewhere else. But I mean, do you, would you agree with that, that a home is a depreciating asset? Or do you think that it's, a, it's an appreciating asset because no matter what the, the price will go up, maybe the population changes? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? So, well, okay, here's, if you just look at it, high overview for, at a glance, it looks like an appreciating asset. However, once you take into consideration interest rates, inflation, uh, the performance in the stock market, maintenance costs, all these factors, um, you're basically just about breaking even, if not losing a little bit of money, right? Um, obviously, it, there's it depends on your mortgage and and a lot of other things, right? But um, so yeah, I, I would say that. It, it definitely depreciates or maybe break even. Um, you're making money on a house if you buy like a, at a great price, you know, if you just find mm -hmm. something great. But for the most part, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, again, this is making the assumption that you literally take a bunch of data, put it all together and look at it all, um, you know, in one picture. If you're just looking at, okay, I bought at ABC and I sold at XYZ, then sure, it looks like you made money. But once you take everything else into consideration, you're probably just breaking even. Um, yeah. There's a there's a really good paper I read. Um, I can't think of the name. Um, and it's a peer-reviewed. Um, so it's not, not just some uh, random paper. But it takes everything into consideration, you know, mortgage rates, interest rates, um, okay. stock market, maintenance, everything, right? And for the most part, most people either broke even or lost money on their house uh, once everything is taken into consideration. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, and a lot of first time home buyers don't think of this, but it is true. I mean, you can't just buy a house at, at this price, sell it at this price and say, OK, see, I made this much money buying this house. You have I mean, you're paying property taxes, homeowners insurance, interest on the mortgage. If you couldn't put 20 percent down, you're probably paying for PMI insurance. Right. You got to There's a lot of costs with maintaining the home that you wouldn't be paying if you were renting. But um, that's right. the thing. I mean, real estate should be a function of rents. Right. I mean, a piece of real estate 
should be worth what you can rent it out to somebody for and versus what the costs are of maintaining that home. But I do think you're seeing today, I mean, people that are saying the housing market is in a bubble, they're kind of looking at that and they're saying, look, rents are not, or housing prices are not reflective of what you can charge for rent. And so therefore they're not as valuable. Um, and then, so we're in a bubble and that's, I mean, you can make that argument. Um, again, my point is the housing prices aren't cheap for sure. Um, and they definitely don't reflect reality in some cases, but in other cases, like, like you said, in Colorado, you have people moving in from California to take high paying jobs. And so that in that case, they do reflect reality. So maybe we have bubbles in certain areas of the housing market, but not, it's not a blanket bubble. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like I said, um, I think the biggest thing in the housing, uh, bubble, right. Uh, from, you know, that burst in 07, 08, um, was two really big things. And there's a lot of things, but you know, I think the two main ones say, Hey, um, you were leading up to that, um, home building was just going through the roof you know, a ton of home building. Um, we haven't had that since. In fact, we're at a deficit of home building. And then two, um, people could just borrow whatever they wanted, right? There was no no checking on the lender's part. You, you could go into a bank and put down that you made 200K a year, you know, washing dogs, no questions asked, no verification, nothing. So, I think now, on the other hand, you have extremely qualified buyers, high credit scores, good stable jobs, good income, down payments, and so on and so on. So, I think the two biggest factors that led to the you know the bubble that you know happened in that burst in 0708 are not here right now. Um, I know because I've you know I've been kind of looking um, at mortgages lately because uh, I've been thinking about buying something. Um, and so, you know, I don't think there's a bubble. I think it's not cheap, but I don't think we're in a bubble. Um, so I probably wouldn't be waiting for that to burst anytime soon. Yeah. And of course, the, the problem and, you know, I, the problem is if you're waiting for a bubble to pop, right, because you think we're in a bubble, what if you're wrong, right? And what if the prices just continue to go further and further up as you continue to wait and wait? I mean, I think that we can definitely, I think it's more evident that the stock market is in a bubble or that the economy as a whole is in a bubble. But we could talk about that another time. But the housing market to me, it's not, I think more people are buying houses too as inflation hedges because there, it's one of the points you made where there's not as much home building going on anymore. It's because it's so expensive to build new homes because the price of materials is going up so much. The price of labor is going up so much that you, companies can't afford to build these homes anymore. I mean, the price of lumber has come down significantly this year, so maybe that'll change. But I mean, so many houses are going up in prices because nobody's building new ones because it's too mm -hmm. expensive. So that's another factor as well. I mean, that's what's making uh, home prices go up everywhere, especially where you have small population areas where now their population's growing because people are moving from cities and going into rural areas. So that's a factor as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we should get into building houses. Maybe that's what the um, that's maybe that's what we got out of this, right? Building houses. Yeah, um, I mean, 
The, the problem um, is though, it's so expensive because the materials prices just can't continue to go up and you can't find any workers because they're all getting extended unemployment benefits and they don't want to work. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't think there's a housing bubble, maybe in some, you know, specific markets. Cause I think real estate as a whole is very regional, right? I mean, yeah. sure. The housing bubble, uh, that, you know, that burst, you know, 708, that was wide across the U.S., but typically it's very specific to a certain area. So I'm sure there's a couple out there, but I don't think as a whole there is one. Um, so I personally would not be waiting for that to uh, to pop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I would wanted to kind of talk about was uh, like farmland or agriculture land uh, or just land in general. I mean, what do you think about land as far as an investment right now? If someone wants to buy a piece of land, do you think that's a good investment or a bad investment or what are your thoughts on that? Um, full disclosure, I am not a farmer nor a rancher, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I have much to say with credibility on the topic. I mean, maybe just my general thinking around business and properties and appreciation assets would um, would tell me if you can buy land near a large city that's expanding, then I would probably, you know, look into that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because if you buy it before the growth reaches your area, you're going to buy a lot cheaper. But yeah. if you're trying to buy that land once growth is there, you're going to be paying a premium. So, um, you know, for instance, I'll bring up um, King Supers, who's a huge grocery chain um, here in Colorado. They often buy the land where they put their stores, they develop it, and then they rent out the other stores to little shops. Um, but the way they do it is they literally build out their stores years before the growth reaches the area. And okay. so they're paying, I mean, pennies, right, for these land. But then when a huge boom gets to that area, they're already there. So I would, you know, if I was going to buy land, that's how I would look at it. It's, okay, where, where is population growing? Um, what are the shifts that are happening? You know, can I buy something? Can I develop it? That's, that's how I would approach that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, for me, I, I you know, I, I'm not, I don't know too much about land either, but, um, I do think it's it's a great thing where like if you have low interest rates, you know, it's a great time if you ever wanted to start a farm, start it now because obviously it takes tons of equipment, right? And that you have to finance in most cases if you're going to start a new farm. Um, obviously, that's not doable for most people. Most farms are passed down through the generations. But I mean, if you can borrow all this equipment, all this money to buy this equipment that you need now for negative real rates. I mean, to me, that seems like a good opportunity, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too educated on that either. But, um, I think, I think that land is probably going to generally go up in value over time, uh, especially land that's productive where you can, you have, uh, you can farm it or you can ranch it and you can at least sell stuff, you know, like your crops to keep up with inflation. So I guess that's another thing we'll have to look at, but, um, what, you know, what, what do you ask? Are you are you trying to be a farmer? No, me personally, no. <laughs> but I, I actually like the idea of owning farmland. Um, 
it, yeah, I mean, to me, it's productive land, right? It generates cash flow. And I think to me, you know, in times of higher inflation, you want to own real assets that produce cash flow. Um, you know, and that's the problem with with owning a single family home. If you're going to live in it, it's not producing you cash flow. And if you're going to rent it out to someone, you're reliant on one renter, you know, and, and lots of stuff can go wrong there. Um, right. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, generally anything that produces uh, cash flow does, typically does well in times of inflation. The other mm-hmm. thing I, that um, I think is good, because a lot of people that do feel left out of uh, the real estate market because prices are rising so fast. I mean, if you have a small amount of money to invest, you can look at REITs as well. Um, I don't know how you feel about REITs. Personally, I I prefer if I'm going to invest in real estate to just invest in REITs because then it takes, you you're, you no longer have the liability of ha- trying to manage the properties yourself. Um, you know, you, you can hire a management team as essentially to do it for you. Um, the problem with that though also is, you know, obviously it's much harder to find a better deal, right? I mean, part of the reason why you can find good deals in the housing market, if you know what you're doing is because it's an imperfect market, uh, you know, aside from the stock market, which is a perfect market. So it's much harder to find deals there. Um, I'm not a fan, but you know, like to each their own. I just, I feel like if, if you're going to do um, real estate, I think you should just get your feet wet, get your hands dirty and, and buy properties. Um, I, I don't like REITs. That's just, that's just me though. I, I wouldn't invest in them, but I know, I know a lot of people that do. Yeah. Well, I think the thing thing is too, I feel like the, the opportunity, right. That real estate presents you is what you said. It's an imperfect market. So, for instance, I live in Colorado. Like I know what areas people like. I know what areas people don't like. You live in New Jersey. You know the same. And so having that information, you can leverage that to buy properties in locations that are uh, attractive, right? And if you can find something at a fair price or even a little bit cheap, you know, you can make a good investment. But the thing is, on a REIT, you're just buying a whole portfolio. And the thing is, a lot of these companies have some really nice properties, and a lot of them are just junk properties that aren't really making money. In fact, they're a lot of them are losing money. So, I I don't want to buy a portfolio that has some nice properties and a bunch of junk properties. That's yeah. that's my thing. There's been a lot, a large run up in REITs too because of. Uh, I mean, look, obviously the one of the biggest factors in real estate, whether it's the housing market, commercial real estate land is interest rates and interest rates have been so low for so long. So when you look at the stock market, right? I mean, people that need income or cash flow in their portfolio, if they're at retirement age, right? I mean, they can't buy bonds. There's most of the dividend paying stocks in the United States pay very low dividends. One of the only options for high amounts of cash flow in a portfolio now is REITs. So I think they're starting to bubble up a little bit because people are buying them just as as the case that with low interest rates, it's the only way they can get any cash flow. And um, I think if interest rates rise, that'll change. But I think that's probably the biggest risk to the real estate market as a whole is if interest rates rise in the next few years. Um, Clearly, you know, then that there's less borrowing available. There's less credit. 
you know, how housing prices are getting bid up too because of how low interest rates are, right? There's there's a ton of money in the system, but I think for me that's probably the biggest risk for the real estate market is rising interest rates. Right. So I would say this, if I was going to do a re I would not do something like that had malls or things like that. I would do either something that had um, hospitals or um, warehouses. That's what I would do. Um, I wouldn't touch anything that had malls in it. Um, I think hospitals, um, I mean, obviously our population keeps growing. A lot of our population is getting older, right? The baby boomers. Um, and then as far as warehouses go, um, whether you like it or not, you know, being isn't going away anytime soon. You know, Amazon, um, you know, a lot of companies are, are moving towards it to, to compete with Amazon. So I think warehouses and hospitals would be the ones that I would do. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, there are some REITs that own a lot of grocery store um, chains as well. I don't um, like grocery stores. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting to see with uh, Amazon coming out with their grocery store, Amazon Fresh. I mean, mm -hmm. they're promising 30% lower grocery prices than the industry standard. They're going to try and run every grocery store out of business. And uh, they're probably going to be able to do do it for the most part, I would think. Uh, pretty much anything, anything Amazon goes into. If, if Amazon goes into your industry, um, you, 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 got, you got real problems. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are different REITs. You could buy REITs for land. But um, yeah, I think they're starting to bubble up because, like I said, I think that... Uh, a lot of people are just going into them because there's no other way to get cash flow in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and then I think just in, in general, um, you know, if, if rates do start to go up, especially if they go up substantially at some point, then um, housing prices are going to come way down. Um, right. We'll, we'll have to see. Right. No, I, I agree. I think that's, uh, I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how have anything else I want to go over on that. You have any other things you wanted to talk about or go over? Um, no, I mean, I think if anything, I would say, you know, if you're looking to purchase home, uh, you know, spend a few times, a few minutes online and look at a, you know, rent versus own calculator. Uh, they're really useful. Um, you know, before you just kind of dive in and at least know what you're getting yourself into full picture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. agree. You have to, I mean, you shouldn't be buying a home if you don't have at least, at least three or six months of living expenses saved, because if, if you don't have money saved, something is going to go wrong, right? I mean, it's, it's Murphy's law, you know, you're going to move into your house and then the hot water heater is going to go out and now you got a $5,000 bill from the plumber to fix the hot water heater. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. oh, the other thing we didn't do, do we both agree that commercial real estate is, is going to continue to just have huge problems. I mean, what do you feel about commercial real estate? Um, I think it's going to consolidate. I think the best of the best are going to get better and the worst of the worst are going to be gone. Um, you know, so if you look at prime real estate in New York city, London, you know, Chicago, all these, you know, um, markets where, uh, there's a lot of, um, wealthy individuals, um, these buildings are prime real estate for a reason. So yeah. um, I think commercial, I think the best of the best is going to get even more expensive and the worst is just going to go away. It's going to, you know, become a warehouse or I think what 
I think warehouses, if you're going to get into real estate, um, into a REIT, warehouse is kind of the space to be. Um, I think, you know, at least from, from my standpoint on that. All right. Sounds good. I don't, I don't think I have anything else, but I guess we could wrap up there, but, um, Yep. You'll have to see what happens with interest rates and, and with the, the real estate market in general. I think there's a lot of uh, unknowns right now because there's unknowns with what's going to happen with interest rates. But uh, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, I don't think we're in a huge bubble. I mean, you could say we're starting to bubble up, but um, there's, a, there's a lot of different factors from today and the last housing bubble. So Agreed. All right. Well, it was nice. Nice chatting. Hope you all enjoyed it. Yep. And we'll, we'll try and do one of these once in a while. Um, you know, let us know in the comments below if you have other subjects that we want us to talk about and we'll go over them. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. We can cut out.